Let's be honest. Life's hard sometimes. We get discouraged, struggle in our faith, and it's easy to feel alone. Despite how you might feel sometimes, know that God's got your back. And so do we. Vision's prayer line team are ready to pray for whatever you're going through. Text your prayer request to 0401 132 888 and we will be praying for you. Or click prayerline at vision.org.au. That's 0401 132 888 or vision.org.au. It's another way Vision is helping you look to God daily. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Hi, it's Neil Johnson and welcome to today's 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. Remember, you can hear 2020 weekdays on Vision from 10am Australian Eastern Time. Whenever we pick up the Bible to read, we're typically reading an English translation that's based on the original ancient languages of Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic language. Not everyone is as excited about ancient languages as our next guest. Brad Scott from Wild Branch Ministries in the US is an international speaker who takes his audience on a linguistic journey back to the beginning to glean God's Word through the beauty and simplicity of the language in which it was written. Brad Scott is in Australia for a Restoration Down Under tour, in which he's teaching on the finer points of appreciation of the Hebraic foundations of the Old and New Testaments. Brad Scott, welcome to Australia and to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be with you. Brad, you spend a lot of time these days traveling the world and talking about the richness of what we can find when we look back into the Hebraic roots uh, of our faith. Uh, What sort of things are you going to be sharing with Australians on this visit? Well, one of the primary foundations of the Wildmaster Ministry since its beginning in, in 1983 has been that the languages of our Bible when we take them back to the beginning, are brilliantly childlike and brilliantly simple. And that what I'm going to be teaching is that what I believe our Father is doing for just such a time as this. In other words, it's time, I believe, to do what He's doing in the world today. And I see this across the world, in that uh, the languages of our Bible can be traced back to the opening chapters of Genesis. Seven times the book of Isaiah, Neil, tells us that the end is revealed out of the beginning. And so when we go back to the beginning, we don't read theology, we don't read symbolism, we don't read similitudes. What we read about is the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and, and the moon above, if you're familiar with that song. And and as I travel across the world, this resonates with everybody because everywhere I go in the world, people see birds and bees and flowers and trees. And, and uh, taking the language back to the brilliant simplicity, childlike simplicity in the beginning – uh, and I give people lots of examples of words in our Bible in the New Testament and the Old Testament to get uh, this concrete, very childlike, simple understanding by going back to the beginning. Brad, for most of us, when we come into contact with our Christian faith, uh, we're introduced to an English Bible. Uh, the, the way that we don't always connect with Greek language and Hebrew language uh, mm-hmm. somehow uh, sets us uh, into a, a place of just unfamiliarity. It's, it's difficult for us to get our head around uh, different mm-hmm. cultures, uh, different language, mm-hmm. uh, those sorts of things. But this is the area you love to minister in. 
Yes, because it, you're exactly right in what you said. But the universal language, if you will, is revealed in the natural things of creation. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 19, verse 1, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. And so I believe what the Father's doing for just such a time as this is returning all languages back to the way things began, things that children can, can see and understand. And so my contention is not that Greek and English or uh, are pagan or they're mi- even mistranslated or they're bad or wrong so much as I show people through the natural things of creation that they're just downstream languages and the Father for just such a time as this is bringing us back upstream to the mountaintop where the water is fresh and pure for just such a generation as this. Brad, how much are we losing uh, just by focusing on the English translation that we would have of the Scriptures? Because uh, you're talking about the riches that come from these biblical languages. How much are we missing uh, by not uh, enabling ourselves or uh, participating in, in how to mine those riches from the Hebrew language? Well, going back to the beginning uh, accomplishes two things. Number one, uh, which is probably something everybody's familiar with, is that it clarifies and puts in concrete terms the meaning of words, because it's the meaning of words that change over time. And in translations, of course, the meaning, you're going to lose some of the passion, you're going to lose some of the concrete meaning of it. They tend to to gravitate toward the abstract when you translate into Western languages. And so the the first uh, purpose of this is to take words back to the original meaning. But the most important one, Neil, is that once you see your New Testament and your Old Testament in one language— seen through the glasses of this language I believe the Father is restoring to this generation, according to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9, turning back to the people, uh, a pure language, is it brings harmony uh, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It makes it give it the same witness, because the Bible says that in order for something to be true, you have to have two witnesses. And for centuries, we have presented the Old Testament as one witness, and the New Testament as a completely different witness. And the idea is to bring them back together as one, so we can see the harmony and the unity of the one God from the very beginning through both Testaments. Brad, is it true that we don't actually have to be language experts uh, (laughs) on Greek and Hebrew? to be able to mine these things because there are resources available like lexicons and uh, and Greek and Hebrew uh, ways that we can get to the root meaning of words. Yes, that is exactly right. And that's one of the things I do in this ministry as well, Neil, is I teach people how to use those lexicons, how to use the uh, the Brown Driver Briggs and the Strong's Concordances and the Interlinears and all those things. And I also introduce people to ancient Hebrew lexicons, which uh, are dictionaries of what the language of our Bible used to look like in the beginning when it was little, simple, childlike pictures. You know, we have... We have uh, languages right right now that are represented by symbols, you know, the A, the B, the C, and the, and the Greek, the Alpha, and the Beta, and the Gamma, and so forth. But in the beginning, it was little pictures that children could read. So my insistence is that the, the Bible was designed in the beginning to be understood by children. The problem is the adults came along, if you will, and, and made a whole abstract mess out of it. And so the idea is to return it to these simple, childlike pictures. So we, once again, so we can bring harmony to these things. And you don't need to uh, take a very complicated Hebrew course. Uh, I teach people how to see the things when they look outside their window and they see things grow. And they, uh, you, you can't, you can't um, 
deny the fact that the prophecies of Isaiah and Zechariah and Jeremiah and Daniel are all encapsulated in Yeshua's or Jesus' parables uh, in the New Testament. And all those parables are about reaping and sowing and harvest and, and vineyards and vineyard owners, and that's what the parables are all about, is the natural things we see growing right outside the window, in which Yeshua concludes it all by saying that the field is the world in the parables. Brad, this is the restoration down under tour. Uh, when you say restoration, uh, what are you meaning by that when it comes to our understanding of scriptures? Right, right. Uh, the, the world basically looks at itself from two perspectives. I believe the godly perspective, according to the scriptures, is restoring what God designed it to be in the first place. But the world is into change. Uh, which is an evolutionary term. Uh, so the world's been uh, duped into thinking that, that it's constantly looking for change. And so the Father knew this because God is smarter than we are. And so he said in the latter days, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 11, that he would send this character called Elijah, whose ministry was to prepare the way for Yahweh, or to pre- prepare the way for the Lord, and to do it by the restoration of all things. So Matthew seventeen eleven says Elijah's ministry was the restoration of all things in preparation for this time that I think everybody in the world feels right now, but especially believers in the Bible, that we may be living in end times. We may be living in those times that are prophesied in Scripture to take place. And uh, the preparation for that, according to the Scriptures, was to restore all things to the brilliant simplicity uh, in the beginning in preparation for those end times. And so it's no coincidence, Neil, that the most popular, according to Charisma Magazine, the most popular Christian song, worldwide Christian song in the last 20 years is a song called These Are the Days of Elijah, which I'm sure many of the listeners are familiar with that song. If we really pay careful attention to the words, we'll understand why the Father is restoring all things for just such a time as this. Brad, stay with us, because I'd like to ask you about a few examples of uh, some uh, Hebrew terms that uh, that we might be inspired by uh, with uh, your tour of Australia. Sure. Brad Scott is uh, with the Wild Branch Ministry in the U.S., uh, here in Australia for a tour called the Restoration Down Under Tour. Uh, Brad, we'll come back and talk some more in just a short while. You're listening to the 2020 podcast from the Vision Radio Network. We're back talking about original Bible languages like Hebrew and Greek. Brad Scott from Wild Branch Ministry in the United States is in Australia for the Restoration Down Under Tour, teaching on the finer points of difference that comes from understanding ancient languages. Brad's teaching on the Hebraic foundation of the Bible. Brad Scott, when we talk about ancient biblical languages and this culture gap that we have in understanding reading an English Bible, what are some of the difficulties with words that we typically have when it comes to language? I want to uh, like uh, the listening audience to keep a picture in their mind as I go through this, because this is what I'm going to be doing in the lectures, is uh, to picture a setting very maybe very similar to something you would see around the area that I'm here in Australia now picture uh clouds and and the gathering together on mountaintops and 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 and, there, and seeing the sheets of rain coming down on the mountaintops uh and and seeing a picture of the water at that time being fresh and pure and full of energy and oxygen and good to drink and then imagine this water coming down into the valley because the bible definitely equates words with water 
and uh, see the water coming down into the valley and seeing the people dumping things into the stream and fishermen fishing the life out and they're dumping stuff in, they're taking stuff out, they're adding to the water, they're taking away. And then imagine what that water sometimes looks like before it dumps into the ocean. Uh, when it's you know it's lost a lot of its energy and oxygen content, it's muddy, it's just not as good to drink as it was on the mountaintop. And then imagine it going further and mixing with the salt water of the seas, and now I'm becoming actually deadly. The same water that was on the mountaintop blessed you, and the same when it gets down to the ocean, now it can kill you. And imagine the father knowing that these cycles take place with his, with his language, with words and things and so forth, always wanting to restore us back to the mountaintop. So let's, let's use an example of the word uh, apostle. Uh, apostle is a very um, familiar word to many of us. If we look at it downstream in English, apostle really doesn't tell us much. I know we know that there were some men called apostles that were that went out into the world and, and to Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But as we define what the actual word means and how we're to understand the message of the apostles, imagine now taking it upstream, we go into Greek, okay, it's apostello uh, 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 and so forth. As we take it up into the Greek and we head toward Hebrew, we get to three letters. In Hebrew, it's a shin, lamed, and a chet. I don't expect the audience to remember that. But when we take it back to its parent root, now we have a word that means the sprouting of roots coming out of the ground. So when you walk out into a field and you see these little tender sprouts coming up out of the ground, that action of the, of the sprouts coming up you know, out of the earth is shalak. It's, it's that word in Hebrew that's translated later as apostle. And so the reason why this is important to grasp is because those tender shoots tell you about the seed and the ground that you can't see. So the tender shoots that you can see are a revelation of what you can't see in the ground, which is a root turning, uh, coming from a seed. And the Bible teaches us the seed is the Word of God, and it's from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, etc. And so in other words, the shoots, eventually, apostles later, will have the same message as the seed. The shoots per portray the same message as the seed, and this is, gives us insight as to why we are called Abraham's seed in the Bible, is because unless you're an evolutionist, you're always going to reproduce the same thing, because there's only one good seed, according to Paul. So what was the message of the apostles? The same message as Moses, same message as Abraham, same message as Isaiah, and Isaac, and Jacob, because there's only one good seed. So it gives us insight as to how we are to behave as children of God, not as something different uh, than you see with the seed, because the sprouts will always produce the same thing as a seed. And so you have this continuity right from the earliest uh, references uh, through the whole Bible into the New Testament, and there is a meaning for us today about what apostleship means in the 21st century. Exactly. And, and, you know, you look it up in a dictionary, it's going to tell you one that is sent or to send forth or something, but you're still in the abstract. Uh, Hebrew will always take it back to something you can see in a field, and uh, which is declaring the glory of God according to the book of Psalms. Uh, can I give you another example? Yes. The word word is a good example, because we always say, well, you know, I'm not, unless the word says it, I'm not going to do it. What does the word say? But the, the reality is, what does the word word mean? And if you look it up, it's an abstract word. It means different things to different people. If you look it up in Greek, it will tell you a thing or a thought. 
if you look it up in a lexicon, it will basically tell you that kind of definition. Well, you got two more abstract definitions. You really don't know any more than when you started. When you look it up in traditional, what I call Americanized dictionaries of, of the Hebrew language or the Greek language for that matter. But we take it back to the beginning, and it's from the root Dalet Bet Resh, which we would say Devar in Hebrew, which is what's translated as word in your Bible. And that word means the source of food. Something that points to the source of food is what it means in its ancient form. And so then you begin to see why the Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now you begin to understand those kind of things. But what's most important about it is that in Hebrew, these are the kind of things I'll be teaching in the tours. In Hebrew, the same root for word is the same root for bees. You know, the things that buzz around the garden and sting you and so forth. Bees. Now, the average person looks at that, Neil, and goes, what in the word does... What in the world does the word word have to do with the bee? Well, it's designed. This is from a design language in which God knows exactly what a bee has to do with the word because we know that bees, as a matter of fact, it's the meaning of Deborah. It's probably some of your listeners are familiar with the book of Judges, and one of those judges is called Deborah. Actually, slowly, Deborah, Debar. And if you look up her name, it means a bee. So this judge is just the word of God in the feminine. And it comes out as a bee. So the word of God in the feminine is a bee. And why that's important is because we look and see what bees do. They buzz around the garden. They spot the nectar in the flower. And we know that when the, the bees find the food in the flower, they go back to the beehive and they do a, a waggle dance. There's such a thing called a bee waggle dance. And when these bees do this waggle dance, we know that it's showing all the other bees where the food is. And so the question is, did God know in the beginning that bees do this? Well, of course he did. And so we relate all these things to the idea of the word being food. I would suggest to you, and you probably have, uh, since you're involved in the media and so forth, you're from, probably familiar with about five or six years ago when there was a report uh, that all of a sudden bees were missing all over the world. Uh, they, they had this terrible outbreak of missing bees everywhere. It was a big, big news thing five or six years ago. There's more bees missing now than there was then, but the media decides sometimes what we're going to, you know, hear as news and what we're not. And Amos tells us in his prophecy that in the latter days there'll be a famine, not of bread and water, but of the word of God. And then all of a sudden bees, for just such a time as this, uh, are missing all over the world. And, um, so these are the kind of things I'll be talking about with individual words. And Brad, understanding the uh, the words that come from the Hebrew language uh, and from the Greek language too, but, but talking about Hebrew and, and how having an understanding of those would affect the way that we interpret the New Testament. And uh, the Apostle Paul is an important uh, aspect of where we get our theology from because our studies of uh, much of the New Testament, much of what the the Apostle Paul wrote, uh, Mm -hmm. could be very much based on some understandings of, of Hebrew words that he would have understood. Yes, and it, it, it is very critical. Uh, and, and once again, it's, it's, the Father's doing these things for just as the time as we're living in, because of the Internet, because of the just all of us being pummeled by too much information, if you will, from hundreds and thousands of different directions. I believe our Father sovereignly chose to do this for this generation, for this time. 
in my in my own hometown, uh, as I've been walking this walk, I still have a few uh, friendly pastors in town that are friendly toward me. Uh, most people misunderstand what I'm saying and thinking I'm trying to become a, a, something I'm not. Uh, but but most of the pastors, some of the pastors, still have a relationship with me, and every one of, of them over time, Neil, has admitted that when they read their Old Testament, it seems like God is in favor of His commandments, and when they read the New Testament, the the red words, you know, the words of Yeshua in the Gospels. It seems like that he was in favor of keeping the commandments, but then, the, but Paul, that's the traditional response, but Paul said, or the book of Galatians says, and Paul is a severely misunderstood person, because in reality, Paul speaks more about this seed that I'm talking about, which is a seminal word, pun intended, I guess. It's, a, it's, it's what starts all things. I mean, this is the reason why Yeshua said in the parable of the sower, Know ye not this parable? How then will you know all parables? The seed is the word of God. And the seeds are what start things. And if you look at the fruit uh, in the field and it doesn't match the seed that's in the ground, something's wrong, Neil. Something has happened along the way to cause the fruit that comes out of the ground to be different than the seed that was first put in the ground, which was done in the beginning. Uh, which is what John 1 1 tells us. The seed is from the very beginning. And so Paul uh, tells us that, that we are of the Messiah. If you're Abraham's seed, you're the Messiah's. And then he says, not seeds is of many, but only one seed, and that is the Messiah, Yeshua, who once again is from the very beginning. So Paul gives us lots of hints based upon the language of, um, especially the word Torah, with the word Torah, which is translated as law in your Bible. Well, by the time this word in Hebrew, from the very beginning of our Bibles, uh, starts out as rain that comes forth from the clouds, talking about another word very quickly. The, the etymological root or the picture, picture meaning of what ends up being the law in the New Testament is rain coming out of a cloud from the very beginning. And somehow through translations and over time, it ends up becoming a very bad negative term by the time it gets to the New Testament. And uh, But it starts out as, as the rain that's needed from the clouds, and it ends up being a bad term. And so the question is, would Paul have used the, the understanding of that word as we understand it now in the 21st century, or would he be using that word considering what it meant then and what it meant in the very beginning? And I obviously suggest the latter. And, of course, with the necessity that we have in the 21st century to have a a literary and cultural perspective on how we interpret those scriptures and what they mean for us today, uh, understanding these roots are so very valuable for us. Uh, I'll point people to the website www.wildbranch.org. Brad and Carol Scott are doing a tour of Australia. It's called the Restoration Down Under Tour. And Brad, uh, such a valuable and insightful uh, message that you'll be bringing to Australians on this tour, and I really appreciate you sharing these things with us today on 2020. I hope so, and thank you so much, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.